Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We need to approach people. We need to do it respectfully. We need to do it relevantly. That means we need to be seeking God's wisdom and what are the relevant things in their lives that we address with them. And then there is the need for boldness. There's the need for boldness. Sometimes, you know, we're going to have to say things that are uncomfortable to say. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 24, verses 1 through 10, in a message titled, Speaking Truth to Power. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You know, some people today would say you never should talk about judgment, you shouldn't talk about hell, and even if you're going to, you need to understand that hell is not really an eternal thing, and there's a lot of effort on the parts of some people today to really downplay the, the side of wrath and judgment. But some people will not respond to anything but that. And that's why Jude says, save some with compassion, others with fear. Some people need to be saved with fear. Some people need to be scared into the kingdom. Now, some would argue and say, well, you can't be scared into the kingdom. I think you can. I think the Bible indicates that you can. Because Jesus certainly went out of his way at times to tell people about, you know, the seriousness of sin and the consequences that would come. Now, of course, in the end, your, your ultimate connection with God and your ongoing relationship with him is not going to be based on, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to do what God said. But the judgment aspect can be the, the initial jarring that one needs to recognize they need to be saved. And then, of course, in recognizing they need to be saved, they get the picture of God's love for them, and that's what a person will ultimately respond to. But we need both depending on the person. Now, to King Agrippa, he was bold with uh, Felix, but he was bold with Agrippa as well. Notice, with Agrippa, he says, in response to Festus, he says, for the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Now that is bold on the part of Paul as well. The temptation would have been to just think that, you know, I'll just get enough information out there for Agrippa to really weigh these things out. He's got a good background understanding of of Jewishness and Judaism and all of that. And I'll just fill in the blanks and then I'll let him, you know, put the pieces together later. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul goes right to the heart. Do you believe the prophets, Agrippa? I know you believe the prophets. And he presses Agrippa on this. And what's Agrippa's response? Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul says, well, I wish you would. Not just you, but I wish everybody here listening to me would become a Christian as well. Now, what this shows us too about Paul is that In the end, he was more concerned with their 
eternal well-being than he was with his temporary well-being. Because you can bet your life that this, I mean, he's taking huge risk here. You know, somebody like Felix especially, who is corrupt, who is volatile, who has a, a history of violence and these kinds of things. This is, this is his history. You know, you're suddenly gonna, you're gonna pin him down on his life and you're gonna show him that judgment is coming. Uh, man, that, that can be a, a really, you know, tempting situation to, to back off on that. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul, he boldly takes those steps and the fourth point is that he is fearless. And he's fearless, or he does this uh, speaking truth to power fearlessly, meaning this. And the distinction between boldly and fearlessly is that fearlessly, meaning that, that Paul is not worried so much about whether he's liked or disliked. And he's not so much worried about what the consequence will be for himself personally. Paul is a man who trusts God. And his primary goal is to please God. So he's going to please God, even if he might displease these men. And he's going to trust God rather than draw back in fear and not say what needs to be said because there might be negative consequences. After all, again, Felix might have just said, well, this is, you know, tired of Paul, and uh, I've got the power to deliver him right over to the chief priest, and they've already determined that they're going to kill him, so uh, he could have made that happen for them had he wanted to do that. And, and so Paul would know that as a reality, but he takes that risk, and we see that in addressing the power, he does so fearlessly. And in all of these things, this is how we must address power if and when the opportunity comes for us to do it. We must do it like Paul did it. Now, speaking truth to power. So we're making our way through Acts. We're coming close to the end. And remember that Acts is the history of the earliest Christianity. And one of the things that's clear is that God intends the church to be a witness and rebuke to worldly powers. That's one of the roles of the church. And you can see it from the very beginning of the whole story because these guys are in constant conflict with the worldly powers. First, their opposition came from the, the Jewish authorities in the early chapters of Acts. And then we find that they're constantly coming into conflict with the Roman powers as well. And, and this is part of the church's role in the world, to be a witness and a rebuke to worldly powers. Christians, and here's the, you know, here's the challenge, Christians are to be simultaneously subjected to the governing authorities and also ready to challenge and rebuke abuses of those authorities. And that's what we see the apostles doing. Paul and Peter, in their instruction to the churches, as well as in their example, they were subjected to the authorities. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, be subject to the governing authorities because those authorities are appointed by God. Uh, but then we find that 
we see here that there is those occasions where there's a rebuke of those authorities. So the church is to be a reminder to the powers that be that there is a higher authority. That's what the church is to be in the world. One of the things. We're a witness to the world, but we're, we're a reminder to the powers that be that there is a higher authority, there is a greater kingdom, and of course, Christ is the higher authority, and God's kingdom is the greater kingdom that we're all subject to. And so that's why there's a legitimate place to push back. That's why there's a place when the government perhaps says something like, you know, this is now uh, a decision that we've made and everybody must comply with this. If it's something that goes against God's revealed will in his word, it goes against my conscience as a believer, then my obligation is no longer to submit to the government, but my obligation is now to be obedient to God and to refuse to come under uh, that authority. Now, remember, I alluded to it a moment ago. Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you know that in that day, the, the motto of the day amongst the Romans was Caesar is Lord. So when Paul says Jesus Christ is Lord, he is contradicting what's coming down from the government. The Roman government, they wanted peace in the empire. They wanted to be able to control everything. And so part of it was just get everybody on board with recognizing the ultimate authority of the emperor. And then, you know, they can have freedom to do their different things and even their different religions. But, you know, Caesar as Lord was something that would unify the, the empire. But the Christians couldn't say it. Not only couldn't they say it, Paul says, no, actually, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we read that today, and we just think, yeah, Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, that was great. We don't realize that's a direct pushback against the propaganda of the empire when Paul wrote those words. Now, the problem historically is that the church has sought to attain worldly power rather than rebuke it, and that is always a disaster for power corrupts. And this is why the Constitution of the United States of America made it clear that there was not to be a state-sponsored church in this country. Those that came from Europe came from places where they experienced firsthand state-sponsored churches that were corrupted and did more the bidding of the government than the proclaiming of the gospel and generally oppressed those who wanted to truly follow Christ. And so that was part of their reason for making sure there was a clear distinction between the church and the state. And it doesn't matter where you look or at what time in history you look at it, where the church has sought worldly power, you will find that it has been corrupted. That is just the nature of it. That's where it goes. Every state church is corrupted and has sold out the gospel for worldly power. So the church is to check abuses of power, not to be complicit with it. Now, when I say the church, obviously I'm speaking of the larger Christian community and just how, how the Christian community conducts itself. 
That doesn't mean that Christians can't be involved in political processes and hold political office and things like that. It just really means that the church collectively is, is never to seek to rule over a society. Or it's never to join hands with the government in order to do that. Because like I said, no matter how well-intentioned anybody is, history proves over and over again, it's never, it's never a good thing. It's always the wrong thing. And of course, Jesus made it clear, my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus made it clear that he will set up the kingdom when he comes. That's not the job of the church to do. So, all right, so that's the church. But what about us? Because most of us probably are not going to be brought before a judge or a ruler or a governor or a king to speak truth to power. We might be, but, you know, probably won't. But we surely have people in our lives that have certain degrees of power over us that we might at times need to speak to. And that is intimidating, isn't it? Now, there are, there are people that you just are naturally, and not in a bad way, you're just a naturally intimidated by certain people, people with a, an element of power. Let's just say your boss, for example. You know, there, there's, a, there's a bit of an intimidation there. If God said to you today, tomorrow morning, I want you to go into your boss's office and I want you to sit him down and I want you to say, I want to talk to you about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. How many of you would be a little bit intimidated at the prospect of doing that tomorrow? Now, we would. All of us would. Because that's just the way it is. There, there are people. And it doesn't have to be your boss. I mean, it could be anybody. It could be a teacher could be a respected elder or friend. It could be a parent. It could be a relative. It could be somebody who, you know, is maybe more educated than you are, or maybe somebody that's wealthy. You know, all of those things, you know, those things are real and they have power. And you've maybe experienced that where at times you've just thought, I couldn't talk to that person. They're so, they're so much smarter than I am. And how could, I, how could I even, you know, who am I to be able to address somebody like that? But see, these are the kinds of things that at times we will be called to do. To share the gospel with those that we feel naturally intimidated by, but God might call us to actually do that. And so what do we do if that's the case? Well, we do what Paul did. We seek to be respectful. We want to be relevant. We want to talk to them about the, the things that really need to be talked about. And like I've already said, everybody's different. So we can't approach every person in the exact same way. You know, sometimes in the, I was thinking about this yesterday. Sometimes in the church, in our history, you know, we, we come up with these kind of just like, programmed approaches to things, you know? If there was ever a place where that shouldn't happen, it should be with us. Because we should be spontaneous. We should be looking to be led by the Spirit. We should recognize that everybody's different, and so God's got to, 
you know, he's got a, a, a different angle, if you will, for, for different people. And we want to be sensitive to that. And I, I just think sometimes the church of all the, you know, we, we just should never be doing that. Just this, you know, this packaged, programmed, here it is, you know. Now, can God use that? Yes, because God's really merciful. He just uses a lot of things that aren't the ideal. But why should we be reduced to that? We need to approach people, as we've said, we need to do it respectfully. We need to do it relevantly. That means we need to be seeking God's wisdom on how we actually do that and what are the relevant things in their lives that we address with them. And then there is the need for boldness. There's the need for boldness. Sometimes, you know, we're going to have to say things that are uncomfortable to say. You know, I've been in so many situations with people where, you know, you're talking to them and it's going pretty good and you're kind of sharing back and forth and you're making a little bit of headway. And then they say something that you just, everything in you wants to just pretend like they didn't say that because you don't want to address it because you know that when you do, the conversation could go the complete opposite direction. And you're just like, no, oh, oh, wait a second. No, no, we got to back up here for a minute. But that's part of being bold where we just take that step respectfully. We do that. But then remember, fearlessly as well. Fearlessly meaning that we're not, we're, we're not ultimately concerned with what people think of us, and we're not ultimately concerned with the consequences, but we're trusting God. I, I'm more concerned with what God thinks of me, and I'm, I'm trusting God to watch over me and take care of me. Look, we're living in a climate where there's strong ideologies that are dominating our culture today. It's happening in, in the corporate world. You know, 10 years ago, you could be on the job and you could, you know, say things uh, that you would literally get fired for today. And so what's, what's the fear? The fear is, well, I can't really say anything because I'll lose my job. But in, and in some cases, you might, that might not be the time or place to say it. I, I would grant that. But then there are times when you are just in a situation where you can't not say it. But the fear is, if I say this, I'm going to get reported and I'm probably going to lose my job. So I'm not going to say it. Because what do I do if I don't have my job? Well, this is where trusting God comes into the picture. This is where we say, you know, no, I, I have got to take a stand on this. And, you know, there are lots of negotiable things out there, but there are certain non-negotiable things. I, I've got to stand on this. You know, it's even, even today, I mean, it is, it, is a, uh, it is a volatile concept to even say something so clearly biblical as Jesus is Lord meaning Jesus is the only savior in the world. There is no other salvation. There is no other religion that connects a person with God. That is an issue in, in corporate America and in the corporate West today. 
So where at one time you would have just simply said that as a matter of fact, as a Christian, and that would have just been the way it was. Now today you, you risk maybe your position by saying such a thing. But when it comes to something like that, we've got to say that. We have to stand up and, and speak those truths. And so that's where we need to trust God and that's where we need to be fearless. And I would add two final things to that. I would add humble. We need to do all of this in humility, respectful and humble. Or they're, I think they probably go hand in hand, but you know, we approach things humbly rather than arrogantly. And no doubt in the end, I'm sure that Paul approached all of these things prayerfully. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to approach everything prayerfully because we serve the living God who gives us assistance, who gives us power, who gives us wisdom, who gives us the ability to navigate things that we in ourselves don't know how to navigate. So as we prayerfully approach these things, I am absolutely certain that as Paul is going before Felix, he is praying that the Lord will help him know how to handle this situation. And I'm absolutely certain that at a point, Paul understood that I've got to go for the jugular with, with uh, Felix here. I've got to address his own personal issues. And so we do all of this prayerfully. And here's the final point. Always looking ultimately to bring people closer to Jesus or in some cases, closer to the way of Jesus. Now, we see here again, finally, Paul, his objective is not even so much to defend himself. His objective is to make sure these guys really hear the gospel and understand their need for the Savior. That's, that's Paul's primary objective. And that should be our objective as well, that we are looking to bring people the knowledge of salvation through Christ. But then there's also a place where we can also push for bringing people closer to the way of Jesus. And this is what I mean by this. You know, Jesus has a certain way that he wants us to live. And in some cases... You're not going to persuade a person in power necessarily to believe in Jesus. You might attempt, and that attempt might not actually be realized. But you can also talk about the way of Jesus. You know, this, like, say, for example, policies. So there, there are policies in place. There are workplace policies. There's policies in our government and so forth. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a place to push back even against some policies and say, you know, this policy isn't good. This isn't the way of Jesus. This isn't the way Jesus would do something. And we can make efforts to try to change and make the policies better, more in line with the way that Jesus would do it. But again, it kind of comes back around to how do we approach it all? And there are people today, there are Christians today who are very unhappy with certain policies that our government has implemented, and I agree with them. But I also agree that ranting and venting and shouting and screaming and calling names and all of that, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. 
doesn't help the people that we're trying to help. We have to be the wise ones and know how to speak truth to power to affect change because that's in the end what we're wanting to see. And so, again, always looking ultimately to bring people to Jesus, but also closer to the way of Jesus, if that is the only possibility. But it can be a very good thing. For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Gospel by Ray Ortland. With powerful insight and clarity, Ray Ortland presents a grand vision of what the church can be if we embrace the power of the gospel and apply it to our daily experiences and witness for God. The book The Gospel by Ray Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.